first reading this morning is from the book of Genesis. When Kenan had lived 70 years, he became the father of Mahalalel. And after he became the father of Mahalalel, Kenan lived 840 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Kenan lived 910 years and then he died. When Mahalalel had lived 65 years, he became the father of Jared. And after he became the father of Jared, Mahalalel lived 830 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Mahalalel lived 895 years and then he died. When Jared had lived 162 years, he became the father of Enoch. And after he became the father of Enoch, Jared lived 800 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Jared lived 962 years and then he died. When Enoch had lived 65 years, he became the father of Methuselah. And after he became the father of Methuselah, Enoch walked with God 300 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Enoch lived 365 years. Enoch walked with God, then he was no more, because God took him away. When Methuselah had lived 187 years, he became the father of Lamech. And after he became the father of Lamech, Methuselah lived 782 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Methuselah lived 969 years and then he died. And our second reading from the book of Hebrews. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken... He was commended as one who pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Karen. Good morning, everyone. What a great morning. It's always a good morning when you make someone read a genealogy. Uh, but we've also sung some great songs. Uh, we've uh, been able to rejoice in John and Anne Barclay's uh, wedding anniversary, which is fantastic. We've been able to rejoice in the um, baptism of Atria and Malati. Uh, and it's Palm Sunday. So great Sunday all the way around. We're not looking at Palm Sunday, as you just would have guessed from those readings that uh, Karen just read. We're not thinking about Palm Sunday today, but we are thinking about a journey and it is leading towards uh, Easter, so it's still very apt. We're finishing off a series we started a couple of weeks ago looking at faith. But just before I pray and we start to do that by thinking on the reading we just heard, has someone got one of the Easter handouts? We just heard this morning from... Reuben, can you hold it right up? Uh, there's the invitations for the Easter services. At the end of the service, we've printed off 5,000 copies, which we want to deliver to the houses around here. And it's very good that we're doing this today because we just heard from uh, Malati and Atria that they first came at Easter four years ago. So giving out the Easter uh, invitations is a very good thing to do. But we need some help delivering those uh, invitations. So if people could come straight after the service up to the front here, Andrew Irwin 
waving at me, will uh, give you a pack and give you an area with a little, a bit of paper with a little map, which is your area to deliver the invitations. So as many of those that can go out, uh, the better. We want to deliver 5,000 around the area. Let me pray and then we'll uh, get into things. Heavenly Father, what a privilege it is to be able to rejoice together this morning as brothers and sisters in Christ with so many things that um, make our hearts glad. And Father, as we continue to think about the great privilege of faith and in you, in whom our faith is placed, uh, please, by your Spirit, work within each of us again this morning. For those who don't believe we have faith, we ask that you would so show us who Jesus is that we would want to trust him and follow him. For those of us who feel like our faith is only just holding on, uh, it's very tenuous at the moment because we're going through difficult times, encourage us. Remind us of the privilege we have of the Saviour and King who is ours, the Lord Jesus. And for those of us who are just carrying on in this life of faith, please strengthen our hearts and give us more resolve and give us such joy that we speak of the Lord Jesus, the one in whom our faith is placed naturally and normally to the world around us. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I've mentioned this before, but... Um, uh, I've probably mentioned it before because it's important. It's an important principle. I, I would describe myself as a fairly big sports fan. I enjoy sports, but there's one sport I find odd. I don't even quite like calling it a sport. I'm offended that it's in the Olympics. I don't want to annoy people here today that have a different take on this than me, but come on. Walking is not a sport. It is not a sport. It's bizarre to me that it's called a sport or that it's in the Olympics. It looks peculiar. And even the concept behind walking as a sport is flawed to my mind. In every other sport where there's a race, you're trying to get from point A to point B as quickly as you can, except with walking. In walking, you're deliberately not going as fast as you can. In fact, you get penalised if you go too fast. You've got to work hard to make sure you don't, you, that you go more slowly than you can actually go. And you look ridiculous when you do this. But, I can see some people are offended, despite what I was saying, uh, despite my misgivings about walking as a sport, as a pastime, I love walking. Walking is good. It's excellent. Uh, one of the things that the Bean family loves to do most when we go on holidays is going for walks together. And in the scriptures, the idea of walking and walks is, comes up very often and has great prominence. In the Old Testament, you will come across a number of proverbs which is about walks or walking. Uh, the same kind of imagery and illustrations are used in the New Testament. If you don't believe me, let me give you some examples. This is Proverbs chapter 2, verse 20. Thus you will walk in the ways of good men and keep to the paths of the righteous. Proverbs 4.14, the opposite almost. Do not set foot on the path of the wicked or walk in the way of evil men. Proverbs 8.20, I walk in the way of righteousness along the paths of justice. Uh, here's the New Testament, 1 John chapter 1. If we claim to have fellowship with him, yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live by the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus his son purifies us from all sin. Can you see just from that little snapshot, that little slice of verses in the Bible, that when the Bible talks about walks or walking, it's talking about living. It's talking about life. It says, live this way, don't live that way. 
live in this manner, doing these things. Don't live in this way, not doing these things. It's a metaphor. Live this way, live that way. And today we're finishing off, as I said before, a three-week series on faith. We've been focusing on faith from the first six verses in Hebrews 11, the great chapter of faith. And on the first week, we looked at just faith generally. Because we've got to have faith, faith, faith. That's what we looked at. And then second, and then over the second and third weeks, we said we were going to look at two particular examples of faith. Last week, we looked at Abel, and we saw that the faith we need is a faith that works right. And then this week, we're looking at Enoch and seeing that the faith we need is a faith that walks right. Now, last week, we looked at Abel, and he's pretty well known. People know of Adam and Eve and Cain and Abel. Enoch, not so much. So let's have a think. And what we'll find is that walking has a big part to play with Enoch's faith. As you heard in our first reading, Enoch crops up very early in the Bible. So Genesis chapter 5, which means he's living very close in time to Adam and Eve and Cain and Abel. And yet, interesting fun fact, he's not the first Enoch in the scriptures. Anyone know who the first Enoch in the scriptures is? Cain's son. Cain's got a son called Enoch. In fact, in chapter 4, verse 17 of Genesis, it says that Cain built a city for Enoch and named it after him. So I don't know whether any of you know personally uh, an Enoch, but back then, Enoch was like the James or John of then, uh, because it seems to be a very common name. Well, our Enoch, though, comes in Genesis 5, and he's one of what the theological experts call the antediluvians. I just say that because I like the name. Antediluvians. Anti, like in antenatal, meaning uh, after, before, sorry, before. <laughs> you can trust everything I say. Um, anti, like antenatal, meaning before. Diluvian, meaning relating to the floods. So the antediluvians are the people who came before the floods, the ones that you read of before Genesis chapter 6. So uh, they're the ones with the long lifespans that you may have picked up as Karen read through the genealogy, and we'll come back to that in a moment. A couple of other things just generally we know about Enoch, because we don't know a lot. In the New Testament, he crops up in a couple of places. In the book of Jude, it tells us that Enoch was a prophet. And then in Luke chapter 3, he crops up as an ancestor of Jesus in the genealogy of Jesus. But let's go back to the Genesis passage. And John, if we can have it up there. Uh, and the long life long lifespans of the pre-flood people. Uh, Genesis 5 is, is basically just a genealogy. And um, although I was joking about making Karen read a genealogy, we, we did shorten it because it's a longer kind of section. I'm going to read a little bit more of it. I want you to notice the difference between Enoch and the rest of the genealogy. So I'll start in verse 5. Altogether, Adam lived 930 years and then he died. When Seth had lived 105 years, he became the father of Enosh. And after he became the father of Enosh, Seth lived 807 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Seth lived 912 years and then he died. When Enosh had lived 90 years, he became the father of Kenan. And after he became the father of Kenan, Enosh lived 815 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Enosh lived 905 years and then he died. When Kenan had lived 70 years, he became the father of Mahalalel, and after he became the father of Mahalalel, Kenan lived 840 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Kenan lived 900 years, and then he died. Then we get to our verses, verse 21 following. When Enoch had lived 65 years, he became the father of Methuselah, and after he became the father of Methuselah, Enoch walked with God 300 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Enoch lived 365 years. Enoch walked with God, then he was no more, because God took him away. 
Now, do you see what stands out about Enoch there in that genealogy, that pattern of repeated phrases? First, it never says Enoch died. Every other person in that chapter in the genealogy, the phrase comes, and then he died. It's missing with Enoch. And instead, it says this mysterious phrase in verse 24, then he was no more because God took him away. And so we take from that that Enoch is one of only two people in the Bible that we're told of didn't, who didn't die. Who was the other one? Elijah. Elijah, exactly right. And that's confirmed by our Hebrews reading. Because in Hebrews uh, chapter 11, verse 5 that we heard, it says, By faith Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. So there's the first interesting thing about Enoch. He didn't die as the rest of humanity has. The second thing about him that's different is a combination of both his age and the description of his life. Did you notice that in many ways Enoch is the runt of this litter? He, uh, he lives a much shorter life than all the others, way shorter life. And yet what Enoch does in that much shorter life is so important. It's crucial. It shows, doesn't it, that it's quality, not quantity when it comes to life. It's what you do that's the important thing. And what did Enoch do that was so special? You can see it in those verses repeated twice. Chapter 5, verse 22 of Genesis. After he became the father of Methuselah, Enoch walked with God 300 years. No one else is described in that way. And had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Enoch lived 365 years. Then again in verse 24, it's there twice so that we don't miss it. Enoch walked with God. When Enoch is held up in the New Testament for being a man of faith, it's this that's the important thing. He walked with God. In the end, that's all that counts in life. If you're trying to work out what life's about, what are the important things, what are the priorities, this is the priority. This is, in the end, the only important thing. Walking with the Lord. Not putting off death and trying to live a longer life. Walking with the Lord like Enoch did. That's what counts. That's what's valuable, truly valuable, eternally valuable. This world is full of so many people that spend so long trying to prolong their life or make, make the most out of life here in all the wrong ways when what counts is walking with the Lord. Today people spend endless hours and dollars pursuing health and particular body shapes or looking for pleasure or seeking or gaining or maintaining relationships. But in the end, everything that we spend all our time and attention and money on either rusts or breaks or gets lost or fades or gets stolen or dies. None of it lasts. Walking with the Lord is the one thing. That's the difference. That's the difference that Christianity offers, that the Christian faith is all about. Trust walking with the Lord Jesus. Without Jesus, without faith in him, you've only got this life to look forward to and no certainty of what happens afterwards. But when you know Jesus, that's what walking with the Lord is for us today. Death loses its sting and there's so much more to look forward to. Now, I'm not saying that that means that death's easy. It's not. We love this life. We love the relationships and good things that God blesses us with and the thought of, that can, of leaving that can be incredibly hard. But it's lost its sting in the same way. Enoch walked with the Lord here, it says, for 300 years. Then God took him away and presumably he's been walking with the Lord ever since. Enoch walked with the Lord. And that's the imagery that I'd like us to think about this morning as we think about faith. 
And I don't know about you, but I love the imagery of walking with the Lord. It's, uh, it's very strong. And we're going to think about three things that come out of this imagery of walking with the Lord. It's about having a journey, uh, a journey with God. So three things the image of walking with the Lord encourages us with and challenges us with. And the first is walking with the Lord is a comprehensive journey. I want you to think about that for a moment. Walking with the Lord is a comprehensive journey. When you think of the imagery of walking, walking with God, one of the things you've got to realize is that our faith is for every part of life. That's the imagery of just walking alongside him, that God's with us in every area of life. It's comprehensive. It's the whole of life. Would you describe your life as walking with God, using that image? I pray that it would, because it reminds us that our faith is a relationship with God. It's not just a set of truths we agree with. It's a relationship with the God who made us. And it should therefore affect all of our life, all day, every day. We shouldn't have parts of our life which are God parts and other parts which are not, where God doesn't feature. It's not like we don't involve God when we play sport or in our love life or in our workplace behaviour or in the way we deal with those that we live with in the home. Knowing Jesus, following Jesus, walking with the Lord must play out in every area of our lives. Does it with you? Or even as I say this, can you think of areas where you keep, just areas of your life where you keep the Lord at arm's length? Do you have parts of your life which are off limits to him, where you following him and walking with him doesn't have an impact? It's so important to know what walking with God conveys. If it's about a relationship with God, with Jesus, then it, it, it must affect every area of our life. Christianity, as I was saying before, it's not just a philosophy. It's not just a set of principles. It's not just a set of propositional truths that we agree with. Jesus is a person, and our faith is a relationship with him. It's walking with him. That is going in the same direction, going to the same destination, going at the same pace, are you walking with the Lord? Do you walk with the Lord in a way which means all of your life is affected? Each day, every day, every area. Does being in a relationship with the Lord affect your other relationships? Does it, does it control and influence the way you are a friend to others? The way you are a parent to your children or a child of your parents? The way you're a husband or a wife? Does your walking with the Lord affect your language at work or with mates? Does it affect your humour and what you joke around with other people about? Does it affect the way you behave with members of the opposite sex? Does it affect the way you work, the way you vote, the way you think about social issues, the way you think and act towards other people? It should. That's walking with the Lord. Walking with the Lord is the whole of life saying yes to some things and saying no to other things, doing certain things, not doing other things, taking part in certain things, refraining from certain things. Our whole lives should be walking with the Lord, every area affected by our relationship with him. You see, it's not just theory, not just facts that we agree with. Faith is war, it's a relationship, therefore it's whole of life. So walking with the Lord is a picture of every area being part of the life of faith. Walking with the Lord is a comprehensive journey. Secondly, 
Walking with the Lord means continuing the journey, continuing the journey. Another image that I think walking with the Lord gives us about the life of faith is it keeps going. It's got to keep going. We've got to keep going. We've got to persevere. You don't stop walking until you get to your destination. Last week I spoke quite a lot about the reality that many people give up on their Christian faith. Many people walk away. You see people who come to the Lord at some stage in their life, but the difficulties of life, the pressures or the stresses or the darkness, for whatever reason, there are some who who walk away. That's true and it's a danger for all Christians. Enoch walked with the Lord every day, kept going, he persevered for 300 years. Have a think about the ups and the downs and the highs and the lows that Enoch must have gone through with 300 years. Keeping going is hard for Christians. This is the difficulty of the life of faith. But we've got to continue the journey. Sometimes in your Christian walk, it just seems futile. Sometimes it seems so dark, there's not even a glimmer of hope. Sometimes we're tempted by other things or led astray by other people. Sometimes we willfully rebel. Sometimes we just drift. But walking with the Lord means keeping on going, continuing with him. I want to give you this morning, because we talked a little bit about this last week, but I want to give you two practical ways to keep going as a Christian, to keep going on the, the Christian walk. And um, it's by putting extra effort into two thing, the two things I think we're most likely to give up when we're going through a difficult time. I could just be talking about my own personal life here, but I don't think so from the amount of Christians I've spoken to. When, when cr- the Christian life is difficult or hard, the two things we're most likely to give up almost straight away is prayer and fellowship. Prayer and fellowship. Think about prayer. Often when we're struggling with uh, our Christian life, one of the first things to suffer is our prayer life. We stop talking to God. But that's the one thing you don't want to do relationally, when things are difficult. I know that one of the worst traits I have as a uh, a husband and a father is sometimes when things get on top of me, I stop communicating. Unlike other members of my family who communicate more and more. That brings its own issues, but mine is I stop communicating. I go quiet, and that's awful. That's not what happens in the scriptures. Someone's trying to communicate right now. Uh, That's not what happens in the scriptures. Think about the Psalms. When David and some of the other psalmists find things tough, when they're going through real difficulties or pain, what do they do? They talk to the Lord all the more. They cry out to the Lord in the Psalms. David's a great example there. He does it in pain. He does it with questions. He does it in the midst of despair. But he, he keeps speaking to the Lord. Instead of pulling away, he draws closer to the Lord. If you're finding the life of faith hard, I'd encourage you to pray all the more. Do it as an act of will. Make it as a decision. Don't pull back because that doesn't fix a relationship. Talk, pray. The other area, though, is Christian fellowship. When I'm finding things hard as a Christian, almost immediately I don't just pull away from the Lord in terms of a, a kind of less than satisfactory prayer life. I almost immediately pull away from Christian brothers and sisters as well. I don't go to church or I don't go to the Bible study, or I don't get involved in any meaningful conversations with Christians because I don't want the challenges or the questions or the advice, but actually that's nearly always the time I need them most. Part of walking with the Lord, carrying on in the faith, is others picking us up when we're down, others giving us a helping hand when we need it, or a hard word when we need it, or a shoulder when we need it. If we've pulled back, we won't receive it. 
but it'll be just what we need. We'll be tempted, you see, when life's difficult, to not pray, to not meet with others. Fight against it. I'd encourage you with that. Force it. If you're in the midst of this at the moment, don't do those two things. It'll leave you more vulnerable and and struggling more. Force yourself to do it because they're so necessary and so good to help us carry on walking with the Lord. But you see, the, 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 the whole of it is continue. Continue. Sometimes the Christian life will feel like it's so hard you can't even go the next step. We say, don't we, we just go one step at a time. Sometimes in the Christian walk, it feels like you can't even go the next step. Well, then don't. Go the next inch. Don't go the full step. Go the next inch. Or at, pause. Pause for a moment and cry out to the Lord. Share it with a brother or sister in Christ. Draw close to Christian encouragement and refreshing so that you can carry on walking again. But keep walking with the Lord like Enoch did. They say today, don't they, that um, the destination's not the important thing, it's the journey. I can't tell you how much I hate that saying. <laughs> I just think it's dumb. The destination's important. But so is the journey. So is the journey. The good thing as a Christian is, uh, it's win-win. Walking with the Lord, you've got him with the journey, and he'll get you to the destination. It's win-win. But we've got to continue. So firstly, walking with the Lord is a comprehensive journey. Secondly, walking with the Lord means continuing the journey. Thirdly, lastly, walking with the Lord brings company for the journey. Brings company for the journey. As a Christian, you're never alone. I hope you know that. You are never alone because you've got a companion on the journey. You're never by yourself. You're never abandoned. You're never deserted or isolated. No matter how low you may feel, you've got the Lord walking with you. You've got the Lord Jesus as your friend and companion. The image of walking with the Lord is a great one. It speaks of an intimate, constant, continual fellowship. As I said earlier, I love going for walks with our family. It's one of our favourite things to do together because it's companionship. It's fellowship. It's going through things together, experiencing things together, getting to a destination together. Walking with the Lord speaks of our relationship with him. Great. Now, it speaks of it both as the privilege of our relationship with him and that we've got a constant companion, but it should also speak of the responsibility. We've got a relationship with the Lord, and with relationships come responsibilities. As with any other relationship, it takes time and effort. Relationships take discipline. I sometimes think we see discipline as anti-relationship, as if it sounds a bit cold or clinical, but it's not. When I have an important relationship in my life, I make time for it. I invest time into it. I say no to certain things so that I can allow this relationship to blossom and be as it should. I put a priority on it, and therefore I have to make other hard decisions around it. Relationships take a a responsibility. It it takes discipline. Having routines help. I have this... I spend this time on this particular week. Now, not if it becomes rote and automatic, but if it means that the routines help us take the responsibility seriously, we're booking in the time and the effort, and then it's good. Do you have to be more disciplined in your walk with the Lord? Because it's not just done by accident. Relationships with the Lord, it's an investment of our time and our energy. Do we make time to read the scriptures and pray so that we're speaking to the Lord and hearing from the Lord? Do we meet with other Christians to be encouraged in our walk with him? 
If you don't know where to start with that kind of thing, come and see me afterwards. Or, or, or meet up with another Christian friend, someone more mature in the faith than you, to talk about how can I be encouraged in that or, or take the responsibility. Sometimes just the walking itself helps the relationship. Jamie and I have started doing some early morning walks this, uh, this year, and this is a bit personal, but I hope you'll bear with me. There's been a couple of mornings where it's quarter past six in the morning. We haven't been on the best of terms while we've been walking. It's all been down to her fault. I want to make that really clear. But actually, we've never got back to the house not good. Just the walking itself and um, helps the relationship. And with the Lord, it's the most important relationship we have. It's the relationship that you and I were created for, which brings life to the full and brings salvation and brings confidence and assurance for the future. What could be more important than putting time into that relationship? The privilege for Christians is we're walking with the Lord. We have company with us in life. So many people in life have nowhere to turn as they go through the difficulties and the ups and downs. We do. Do you see the, the beauty of the imagery of walking with the Lord being the life of faith? Well, let me wrap up. Enoch's faith is described as walking with the Lord. It's a great, powerful, helpful image. I pray that we would hold on to it ourselves. We can follow in the footsteps of Enoch and walk with the Lord ourselves. It's comprehensive because walking with the Lord means it's for every area of our life. It needs to continue because we want to keep going. It's not just for a period of time. We keep going every day, Enoch for 300 years, you and I till the end. But it's a journey where we have the best companion possible, the Lord Jesus himself, and that's a wonderful privilege. Let me pray. Father, it's been a, a, wonderf a, a wonderfully joyful morning this morning. We've had so many things to give thanks for and to have joy in. We thank you for the gift of faith. We thank you that you walk with us. And we pray that for each person here this morning, that you would continue to be with us, strengthen us, help us, pick us up, push us forward, uh, have your hand upon us in every area of life. Father, we thank you for who you are, for what you've done, and for the privilege of being yours. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.